call Watch us Watch us then join us Crazy We are crazy call Watch us Watch us then join us We are the crazy cow collective and baby we're riding the crypto wave Make sure the newbies are protected and pros all the bad by the ship don't wave I will start packing your bags for more facts and you grab on an FT page Time for a trip and a skip and a flip have a dip in an FT space Elevate, penetrate, celebrate BTC Embrace technology, new economy Crazy We are crazy cow Watch us Watch us then join us Crazy Crazy car, watch us, watch us then join us Mayday, mayday, all the men hating on trendy web free They say play safe, glasses are full but it left me empty Say nay, listen and end the division and cut all their empty envy Space age mission and my god this vision will grab me on 2020 We built different, that's true, we know people, that too CC, C, and send it in a fax too we embrace evolution, lift each other up, we be rooting We're stronger and we're moving, together and not alone Elevated up like a throne, ride the crypto wave that we own Not thinking short, thinking long term, feel the conviction, we all get a turn Quick to listen, slow to judge and learn, grow when together if you concerned We got you covered, newbie, you're a pro, and got everything you need to know Up in the NFT world, want to, want to, wanna do well. Minting process, get me the sell with. I'ma do something, let me dip it well. Educate yourself if you wanna learn. Let's start linking, thinking long term. Jump aboard in the CCC. Don't know we in a web 3G. It don't matter if you're a newbie. Let's go, let's go together. Oh, let's go, let's go together. Let's go, let's go together. Oh, CCC, we got you forever. Ride that crypto away for the cheddar. Said, ride that crypto away for the cheddar. We got you covered, yeah, make it better. Let's go, let's go together. CCC, we got you forever. Ride that crypto away for the cheddar set. Ride that crypto away for the cheddar. We are crazy cow. Crazy. We are crazy cow. Watch us. Watch us and join us. Crazy. We are crazy cow. Watch us. Watch us and join us. Crazy about crypto shows for informational purposes only. This is not financial advice. Let's fucking go. Hello, hello from all around the world, and welcome to the Crazy About Crypto Show, an interactive live podcast on Twitter Spaces for anyone exploring crypto and wanting to learn from others that have already dived into the space. From NFT artists to savvy crypto investors to everyday people just like you and I, this is a place where we can come together and learn about this new wave of innovation. Oh boy. We've got a special show for you. Today, we have a highly requested show from the Carls. The new thing taking Web3 by storm right now is the launch of the Ordinal Protocol. The Ordinals, the Ordinal Protocol on Bitcoin allows anyone in the world to inscribe data on a single Satoshi, meaning that the NFT era on the Bitcoin blockchain has begun. You heard that right. NFTs on Bitcoin. The response from Bitcoin maxis in this development is mixed, but it has definitely been getting attention from the Web3 space. Yuga Labs, D-Gods and OnChain Monkeys are just three big Web3 brands utilizing the new technology already. With uh, only being a little over a month and a half old, though, the protocol is definitely in its infancy and can be tricky to understand. So today we're coming together to all learn uh, from our experiences, and we're lucky to have some early Bitcoin ordinal ogs here and there's more on the way uh we've got collector kev up on stage he uh actually one of the earliest mints was the ordinal punks and he actually minted an ordinal punk uh we'll talk about that and then we've got t clow who uh he is in the ordinal penguins uh, which is uh, inscribed under 3K. And we'll talk a, a little bit more about what that means as well. And um, we're going to go ahead and jump right in. I want to start with Collector Kev. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about experiences um, before we turn and just take questions. So if you're in the audience and you have questions, please hit that request button to come up. 
Um, also, if you are in the audience and could participate to this conversation, I also um, definitely just want to reach out and let everyone know that this is this is an open uh, forum. This is not just an interview. So please hit that request button and um, come on up. But yeah, Collector Kev, if you want to start off telling us a little bit about how you heard about it uh, in early, early February uh, and how you kind of got in the know about everything going on and just your experience so far. Um, but initially, how, how that even happened? Because I can't uh i can't even i didn't even hear about it till the middle of february um so i just love to hear your story about how you got involved in in the early game of bitcoin ordinals yeah so like luckily i'm in a group of you know most of us are in a group of awesome people i'm in a group called squash land some of you guys might have heard of it it's just an awesome group of collective people uh a couple people in there had like looked into the protocol and found out about it really early within the first I'd say within the first 1,000 inscriptions for sure. And uh, I was able to mint like Ordinal Punks and a couple people were in there minting Time Chain and um, Natron Bitcoin and things like that. And yeah, it was like luckily just a group of people, you know, coming together, sharing different things. And as soon as I heard about it right away, I didn't even question it. I was like, if this is what I think it is, you know, NFTs on Bitcoin, then I'm all in. So I was lucky enough to uh, believe in that right away and mint some cool, awesome stuff. Is there anything big that you've learned um, just from your experience so far? I know well, a couple of things that I, I specifically have questions about is um, when you got involved, what was the process? Because at the very beginning stages, people were having to download a node, uh, a Bitcoin node to be able to even interact or to be able to receive these so i'd love to just hear kind of the process if that was tricky how scary that was because uh in the early days it was all just um trusting people uh which is the opposite of what bitcoin is supposed to be which is trustless and now uh with the tech we're going to get to that point but i'd love to just hear about your experience there in in the early days and um also what resources you use because i still haven't uh been able to get a note on my computer i'm using an exchange that's now available so i'd love to hear just uh what that was like yeah for sure i guess when i say man i should definitely say in quotations because uh it was more or less me just messaging at the time a stranger and sending them my eth and just trusting that they were going to send me this ordinal and then everything was just on google sheets so like you said it was the complete opposite it was me just completely trusting strangers and the mint is definitely in quotations because it was me just hey can i buy this or like put you know willing to buy in the chat first or something like that <laughs> it, it was truly such a wild time because like yeah. like you said it was it was full trust like catching a discord link somewhere meeting a founder you never heard of him before they're not established uh that you're aware of in some of these cases in web3 and being like sure i'll send you 500 bucks and there's like no recourse if shit goes south. So it was uh, like both nerve wracking and super exciting. Exactly. In those early days, uh, if I remember right, some of the the founders they had obviously it's a little different because it's not like generated on chain. They had minted this the and they had inscribed on the Satoshi, so they were already uh, they already had the NFTs. They just had to deliver them. But were I, from what I've heard, there are certain founders like that. I think there's a couple still that um, haven't sent out every single one that was purchased. So was it one of those things where you were able to uh, buy it, but you didn't even really take possession of it um, until you figured out? how to even get a wallet uh like prepared and ready to go yeah i mean that's exactly how it was for me um matter of fact i believe with my uh ordinal punk i don't think i ever had possession of it at all <laughs> same it was a total same experience here it was, it was actually really surreal you know the only uh you know backup that you had was a, a google sheet that someone was running yeah. i mean it was just nuts and uh, or, or not even that sometimes in the really early days, like Nature on Bitcoin in particular, which was run by an awesome dude. It was all just getting a tag on a discord channel, like not even a protected sheet. Just it was just out there with like your discord name. And uh, I think the trust is also where like so much organic growth came from, too, because as soon as a few of us um, realized, like, well, first off, this is going to be absolutely huge, but also that like, hey, you know, going against the ethos of what we normally do which is like let's be anonymous let's not try to integrate any sort of trust beyond trustless transactions i, I think it helped it helped it grow in those early days it was like 
new, exciting, scary. Those are all the good ingredients for something that's going to be like, you know, uh, a game changer. I love that. I think it's also fascinating. Um, like you said, I know you, you had minted, uh, it was like 0.02 or 0.03 Bitcoin. And then I think you were able to sell yours for a massive gain just a couple weeks later. But the fact that you didn't even have to take possession of it uh, and they were just helping facilitate those trades is is just, uh, it just goes to show how early this is. And I mean, we are approaching 500,000 inscriptions on the Bitcoin blockchain now. Um, and I think it just goes to show one, obviously the interest that's there. Uh, one thing that anyone that's been in the crypto world that wasn't only onboarded because of Web3, uh, but had knowledge of crypto from, you know, 2015, 2018, kind of during these different bull markets that kind of jumped in during the Bitcoin era. Um, you've been around to see, you know, Ethereum was started because uh, Bitcoin didn't have kind of this layer. Um, and that's why Vitalik was a huge Bitcoiner in the early days. So something that's very interesting is is the fact that we've kind of come full circle. Uh, and I've been listening to a lot of podcasts just about ordinals um, and I think it is. I think it's just a fascinating story of how it all came to be. But one one thing that I'd love to just discuss on is the fact that the NFTs are a little different because you're kind of there's not you can't do as much on Bitcoin as with Ethereum. But that just that doesn't necessarily mean that they won't take off. It just means that it could be a different type of uh, of crowd or the the types of things you mint on the Bitcoin blockchain may be different than the the kind of things that you would mint um, on Ethereum. So I just want to get into a discussion overall about Bitcoin NFTs and why you're bullish on them. What what import what you think is really special about it, especially in the early days. I think the uh, specifically talking about the ideas of inscriptions and uh, what that means in terms of kind of the artifact of Bitcoin NFTs. Um, and I'll just pose that question and let anyone that that ha- kind of has experience or an understanding of, of that uh, jump in. Yeah, I mean, I'll start things off with just by saying that this everything that's been inscribed everything i don't care what it is if it's porn if it's text if it's literally an mp3 of someone farting which is there in the first ten thousand inscriptions all of that's there forever it's never going away those are inscribed on sats everyone that runs a node is validating that it will never go away so you know i think that big narrative that hit um eth nfts especially with the rise of on-chain monkey and other big projects that really emphasized making sure that we were on chain with what we're doing. It's not some IPFS, it's not pointing to some service somewhere where really all you're holding is a a token pointing to a picture or whatever the case may be. Um, That is something that is ingrained into ordinal theory. And when I figured that out, when I first read Casey Rodarmer's basically FAQ about ordinal theory, I was like, holy shit. (laughs) Like there's been you know, pseudo Bitcoin NFTs in the past, there's side chains that fulfill the goals of being able to have smart contracts and NFTs, but something that is fundamentally always going to be a part of Bitcoin forever is just, uh, you know, the way he was able to figure that out using Taproot. I mean, it's just, it's just amazing. And, uh, I think that fact alone, right. That like, especially, you know, the word ordinal, right. This is an ordered inscription, situation here that's why the first 10,000 first thousand and even first hundred thousand are on a lot of people's radar because unlike eth where you're like i mean aside from maybe like the rocks right and crypto punks like no one really cares about uh provenance really like what's the first what's the second what's the hundredth no one cares about that right but it is literally baked into ordinal theory so um just makes it that much more impactful for people that are getting onboarded that are finding out about this and definitely different than what we'd experience on ETH or Soul or or any other chain where the emphasis isn't so placed on this this ordinal theory and thus the name ordinals and inscriptions themselves. So that was my first take and I was like, all right, like how how could this not be awesome, you know? I love that. You know, and you're right. Having the data on chain is is so imperative and something that 
there were several founders in Ethereum that were trying to push this narrative. But as Bitcoiners, that was always a big problem with Ethereum is that it was it's not stored on the chain. So if one of these other servers go down, it, there's no way to actually get that, retrieve that data. And uh, IPFS is able to show what is your NFT um represents but if ipfs goes down you're fucked i mean there's no way to to get that data back um, because that's where it's stored so being on chain is so cool and so important one thing that i thought and like you oh chicago i saw your hand go ahead jump in no if you want to continue i can i just wanted to kind of tell my story the, the oh, i heard of it through i heard of it from bankless that that they they talked about it that friday like just that weekend where everything was taking off i think it was still at maybe two, 300 inscriptions. And I got really lucky. I went in all the discords and I didn't have a full node yet. And I met, uh, uh, oh, the guy sitting right next to me and I didn't know you're up here, Owl. But uh, I met Owl and I met so many cool people and, and I can attest to what everyone's saying up here. Like there was this ecosystem, you know, it's only six weeks old. It's growing so fast. And uh, the guy who, who started Cool Cats uh, minted my crypto punk for me and then owl and i quickly became buddies he was just firing up inscriptions as fast as he could and he was cool enough to get like my you know my eth pfps because you know i wasn't making any art i wasn't smart like him and i was just trying to get all my azuki and my crypto punk and and my mfr and stuff like that up but um you know hats off to the guys i i did not have the courage to to even mint at the 0.01 for the for the ordinal punk i regret it and i got ordinal punk on secondary and i can tell you the difference between the first holder and the second holder is it's no small sum but the whole ecosystem just like um it's it's so refreshing i got in bitcoin at 2015 and and i went over to eth been in nfts for years but it's it feels like it's it's coming home it's all on chain and and you know i've rekindled friendships with people i haven't seen in a while and also have met so many other cool people but the small kind of intimate crowd um especially right now of kind of the sub 10ks the sub 1ks has been really nice and and just meeting so many people and the energy feels kind of like the early days of crypto and the early days of DeFi and nfts again so it's 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 kind of fun to be back it is you get that renewed energy for sure and it's like uh we saw a lot of the promises that ethereum uh and web3 founders promised uh and it was all like for people that were in crypto prior it was like oh yeah this is going to be awesome these decentralized communities and we quickly found out and we're still finding out every day there's basically everyone calls them rugs but it feels like that in a lot of ways it's just like the founders having a different idea of what uh that they want to do with the project in a lot of ways um though they're these early collections um, on ordinals feel much more like it's like oh I want to hold this because it uh, because it has really important meaning to me or because I want to collect it. It's not as much like I'm going to buy this because I need a roadmap and are you what are you going to do? Or these communities are a lot smaller, especially when you have in the top ten thousand. A lot of the collections are only about a hundred um, because. It was a race to try and get your inscriptions uh, and to inscribe on these Satoshis within the first 10,000. So people were going about that. And uh, once Al gets up here, he has, he's the founder of Inscribed Pepe, and he has a really cool second or third day uh, that minting and inscribing was really around. So I would just love to hear, though, um, maybe like you're the the kind of what you were talking about already, but like these small communities and how that is, is in a way refreshing uh, and also kind of the expectations because a lot of these communities minted out and they didn't get, uh, you know, tons and tons of money. So the expectations of like, I want my team to do this and this, and what are you using my funds for? A lot of people don't care about that. So I, I'd love to hear kind of your your ide ideology about collecting on Bitcoin versus uh, trying to buy an Ethereum NFT. What's up, guys? I have some thoughts. Yes, Al, <laughs> welcome to the stage. Uh, the founder of Inscribe Pepe, which I had to really... Uh, grind hard to even find someone that would sell me one. Uh, so it, this is you. The, you're the perfect person to talk about this because you've already with six, 69 Pepe's on chain. Uh, you've already created a tight community. So I'd love to hear your thoughts. Yeah, I mean, 
so I, I think in a way there's always some kind of expectation that you can't divorce from the process entirely right even if it's just an expectation of potential upside there tends to be like a baked in financial motivation but when it comes to utility it's the most refreshing kind of environment i've been in in a long time because i you know when i really first fell in love with this space originally and i started in nfts before i learned to think about crypto i did everything in reverse and now i'm doing it again for bitcoin which i love um it was just amazing how people actually wanted to collect things they they were going after their aesthetic tastes the fact that they valued them this a small group of people that was the power and people were kind of you know you, you could see entire ecosystems rise on this small group of people valuing as collectors and their own sense of aesthetics i've kind of seen a return to that right like people making derivatives of their art just appreciating that they have a pepe versus what necessarily is that pepe going to do for them right um there's none of this like I'm now a stakeholder in some pseudo corporate concept, right? That God knows what I have, what expectations I have for it, but it all turns incredibly toxic really quickly. It's an opportunity for people just to bond over art and collecting again in a really simple way, which I think is amazing, personally. One thing that I, I had listened to a podcast and, and someone had explained it really interesting. It's like... Um, it's like every inscription's like a stamp. And so it's really, you're just like, it's like stamp collecting. And there's going to be different types of curve it that there will be coming into the Bitcoin blockchain, trying to make collections and pump them up. But I feel like we, as a space, uh, learned a lot from our Web3 days on Ethereum. So I think the, 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 the market might be a little more mature when it comes to like 10,000 projects. You already see a few 10,000 projects on Bitcoin. But if, like you said, I think the attention is really going to go to what do I want to collect? And um, in that regard, I'd love, Al, for you to talk about why it was so important for you to be inscribed on er early uh early inscriptions um, because I think that's one thing that a lot of people in, uh, that kind of are the OGs value the most are early inscriptions. So, I mean, ha having been, <laughs> that was the craziest week of the past three years of my life, probably maybe ever in my life. Um, you know, as soon as I stumbled upon it, it was around inscription just over a hundred or something. And, you know, it took us a while to really understand, wait a minute, the way this works is that everything is part of one numbered system. We've seen, you know, having been in NFTs for quite some time, we've seen people put place premiums on aesthetic numbers. We saw ENS happen, right? In a world where this blows up and people collect it, it seemed hard to imagine there wouldn't be some valuing of the OG, because we've seen that narrative play out again and again and again in a certain way. Um, yeah, and then, like, what, also beyond that, right, like, as soon as we start, you, you're, like, refreshing the Ordinals Block Explorer at the time, right, just on the Ordinals.com website, you get, and on the, the order cord, like, you just got sucked into the madness as soon as you, you dipped your toes in, right? I mean, it just suddenly, everyone kind of agreed. It was just the obvious thought everyone had. Like, you want to get on the Bitcoin blockchain as soon as possible, right? And, yeah, so we actually, you know, we had the first, we, we, we kind of waited a little bit longer than we had to. We could have probably gotten, you know, inside of 1,500. But we had, like, the first 30 ready, and we wanted to, re we really, really wanted to inscribe them all, like, next to each other essentially and so we took an extra day or two to figure that out but like yeah after that you know we ended up commissioning a lot more art after pepe's because it just seemed completely obvious that you know the 10k convention and the 1k convention are extraordinarily strong in collector psychology it seemed like an obvious move to make and then if, you know if it didn't matter then whatever it was a fun experiment he still did something cool, right? I, I think a lot of us didn't really know, but we had a feeling it might be something special, what was happening. You know, from the, from the consumer standpoint, like I wasn't inscribing, I spun up a node, 
and realized that the way I had done so, I was not about to uh, sink Ord. So I had to start from scratch and miss that. But from the consumer perspective, that first weekend that everything was popping off right around like inscription 600 to 800 and you're refreshing and seeing new things pop up and wondering where is this all coming from? What is this collection a part of? Is this even a collection? Is this someone's just drawing? That was like the most electric shit that there could possibly be. I, I, I saw it over and over again in Discord servers, people being like, I haven't felt this way in years. And like that sort of like, it's like exploring a new world, right? But, you know, through ordinals, it was, uh, you know, something that like, you could sleep was negative EV. That's what everyone kept saying. It was so yeah. true too. Like if you slept too long, you missed out on some Discord invites, you missed out on this, that, and the other. Like it was a, a level of FOMO that was beyond what you see with like, any sort of uh, you know, pump and dump, whatever. It was it was truly wanting to be a part of it more so than anything. And uh, watching it all go down was just like, yeah, even as a consumer, right? Even as someone who's like, oh, I want that, or um, I want to find out more about that. That alone was like, <clears throat> I don't know. It's hard to replicate. And when it comes around, it feels like there can't be anything else like it. I think what's also cool about those early days is you know a lot of people are complaining like there's so much crap up there and there and there is there's a lot of just pure garbage or meme stuff and you know arts in the beauty of the beholder but i think that makes it all the cooler it's like you're exploring back to the original first cave paintings and you know some of them got rubbed out and wrecked by water and flooding over time and some of them were high in the walls and were perfectly pristine and and i think that makes it part of that uh excitement you were talking about like in those that first weekend and that first week like first it was you know you got to get them in under a thousand and then it was you know two thousand and then it was three thousand and then it was you know you had to be under five thousand of course and then everyone knew ten thousand at least for now is probably kind of the last big big one you you definitely wanted to be under, but the funny thing is, you know, we're, we're almost at 500,000 and, you know, and call it next year, we'll be at a couple million and hundred thousand probably will mean something, you know, it's, it's, it's almost like strata. It's just sedimentary rockets deposited that it gets pushed down in a metamorphic rock and then it crushes in the diamond, you know, the, the, the further down you are, the more, uh, in, in my opinion, um, the more valuable it is. Um, I, I did notice something interesting is all these sites are popping up. Um, some of them have, some of them really focus on early inscriptions, but a lot of them don't. And I think strategically, there's kind of two narratives trying to go on here. There's one that's kind of like the, the ETH narrative where, hey, it doesn't matter what the inscription number is. Bitcoin itself in inscribing there forever, it's expensive, it's cool, you know, bring your collections over here. So there's that argument. But I don't know, I, I guess having been part of the excitement in that first weekend, like I'm always going to look, at least for now, while, while I can still afford it, some of the earlier inscriptions, because I mean, if you if you mix early with quality too, and there's tons of good one of ones and 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 PFP collections like inscribed peppies, like there's just so much fun stuff to find, and and I just think it creates that much more value. I love that Paz. Uh, Paz is a, another creator uh, of um, their own sub five k collection of ordinal faces. So thank you so much for being on here, and and go ahead. No, yeah, thanks for having me on. I was just going to say that to add on, um, I remember Leonidas posted a photo of the first 100 descriptions laid out. And it was just so funny to see, like, the different stuff that people were posting early on and how, like, early it felt like. It was, like, very, like, retro-style, like, pieces being put up. And it was just like, really entertaining to see, pretty much. Yeah, just wanted to add that. Al, go ahead. Yo, I want to add to that. Also, so I think the protocol actually went public. Like, it became news on Twitter around Inscription 84. So the first 80 or right, spiraled outwards in a way, continuing from that, I think, almost at an exponential rate. And another thought I had about just in general what's cool about this is I think there's a very human urge to leave your mark behind on something right i mean it's the basis for a lot of art maybe to leave a legacy to leave your name on a building 
to whatever it is, I think the fact that we can all, whether it put up art or shit post on Bitcoin and leave, which is, it, it is the standard of permanence by far, in my opinion. I don't think that's even arguable for this kind of media, right? And the fact that we can inscribe on, on Bitcoin whatever we want if we're willing to pay the fee for block space. It's just, it really taps into something primal and magical, I think, in our psychology. And that's also what I think is so magical about that decentralized first 10K where everyone, what came, what occurred to each individual to put on Bitcoin as long as Bitcoin's around, right? Yeah. You know, one thing, Dan Anderson is down there. He's the creator of the Dan Files 65 uh, inscriptions in the in sub 1K. Uh, and if you're around, you can come up here. Dan, if you're free, I'd love to, to just hear your thoughts on this. Because one thing that Dan did that I love is that he did a, like a proof of self where he recorded himself talking uh, and explaining what this collection was. And then he put a picture of his uh, left finger pointing. And I just love those two uh, inscriptions because it ties the... The entire Dan files together, uh, and uh, and I think like being able to put a mark on the Bitcoin blockchain that you know is never going anywhere is also just like to and to do it that quickly when the protocol launch just me, just means you have just a whole different understanding of how uh, significant uh, it, the ordinal protocol was. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to just to, to reiterate that because like you said, being able to put your mark in early on uh, during like this genesis um, is is so cool. But Paz, I saw you see your hand up. Go ahead. And if anyone's in the audience and have questions, please, I don't want to be the only one asking questions. Um, I've already... I've already dove down the rabbit hole and have uh, several inscriptions. So please, um, if you're listening and have questions about the Ordinal Protocol, please uh, hit that request button and come up. But Paz, go ahead. Yeah, I just wanted to kind of add on to Owl's point. Um, I mean, like from a creative standpoint, like me and myself being a creator, um, I think it's like a lot of people's like dreams or like aspirations to have like a lot of people see your your works, right? And I remember when when I first heard about this, one of the things that I was like constantly thinking about and like constantly like telling my friend about this, who was my partner, was that like this like this work that we're we're currently making is gonna live on like long past us. Um and no, it's just it's just kinda crazy to think that like I don't know, somewhere like a hundred years down the line, someone could just come back and like see like the, the early inscriptions and just be like, whoa, like it's pretty cool. So yeah, it's a, it's a cool thing. It's so hard not to be bullish when you say that, right? Like it's so hard not to feel like, holy shit. <laughs> I've got to say, uh, there was a room last night and there was a few hundred people in there because it was like Frank to gods. And, uh, there was like a few other big people in ETH that are jumping in. And, um, and, and I think that room was interesting and they were all, they were all talking and, and, um, having a good conversation, but I love this conversation even more. We have a bunch of like OG ordinal, uh, inscribers and just like understand it's not just about like oh this is the hype which it seems like there will definitely be that um, with this like crossover from Ethereum to Bitcoin and collections but but like we were talking about earlier like it's really cool to be able to dive down and just learn um, the very from the very beginning what people were seeing and we have a lot of those OGs on and Dan you just jumped up so I want to give you a shout out um, huge I collect two Dan files really excited to hold them so I'd love for you to just talk about you know your experience early on I think you may have even you're a very early Bitcoiner so maybe talking about the the historical importance of ordinals in in terms of the protocol and then kind of the development that's going on with them now Hey John, uh, yeah man, uh, that's that's a, those are all very kind things. Thanks for saying all those, those things. Um, I think Ordinals is great. I'm a big fan of Ordinals. Uh, I see it as just like a continuation of just sort of like something that I've been sort of like plumbing for a while. So um, I I made a thing. I made a crypto game in January 2018. I've been like messing around with Rare Pepe since 2016. Registering counterparty assets in 2015. 
before that, like, just big into, like, domain names. So I just, like, have always been kind of... I love this idea of um, owning a digital thing. Takes up no space, low maintenance, uh, ease ease of use to hold. It's just, like, big fan. Um, You asked me a lot of questions. You you, you sort of had sort of, like, a say say something profound prompt, but uh, what specifically (laughs) (laughs) I know I've talked to you a little bit about... We were kind of chatting about, like, the the early inscription minting, and and you clearly were... uh, you really wanted to get in in that top one k and inscribe, so oh, yeah. so I'd love for you to talk about kind of what why that was important to you when no one else was really even uh, inscribing, um, and and the importance you th- that you thought would be there for um, having sub one k and then you know sub ten k inscriptions. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I wish I was made one earlier. Um, I, I stumbled upon Casey's code and in like October, September, October, because I was actually working on um, my own Bitcoin NFT project based on Counterparty, coded with Rust, and that's how I ran into Casey's code. And it was actually called Artifact. Like I literally own artifact.org, the domain name, um, because I was working on that. So that's, so it's just like something that just occupies my mind is this type of like um, self-sovereign, long-term, communication like uncensored permissionless like you know what i mean like those are the things that just they just occupy my mind um so ordinals i was really excited by about the rare sats actually i i, I think the serialization of the sats is like the most elegant algo part of it um big into that um can you talk are- a little bit about that because i actually uh, was also curious about what what makes each sat uh, more rare based on casey's coding and and how he explained it and how you kind of go about that on the bitcoin note the, well so kate what, what casey has proposed as like the the rare sats is basically like the first sat in a block is like the, a rare sat or like an uncommon sat is the first one um, in that block. And then it gets like more esoteric from there. So like uh, the first sat in the block that represents a difficulty adjustment, which happens about every two weeks, or the first sat in a block that represents the halving, like the first block of a new halving, which happens every four years. Or if those two things were to line up, and you have both a block where um, the difficulty is adjusting and the block reward is being cut in half. That's even more rare. But I think what is really interesting is like, you don't have to consider those to be the rare ones. You can curate other concepts of rare. Like what's pretty cool I think right now is some of my friends are really interested in like finding the sats that were used to like mint other NFTs on Bitcoin. Like for example, if you could get your hands on like the sats that were used to like mint the Nakamoto rare Pepe, like those would be interesting to, to hold that like, those would be like supercharged <laughs> sats. <laughs> yeah. I love, I love that because like you said, like the meaning of, because Satoshi's are, uh, aren't going anywhere. So, and you can find any single sat. So it's, uh, what, what does the hunting even look like that goes into something like that? So I think a lot of people right now are just like using the ordinals.com explorer as like an API. They're just like scraping the website. Um, and that's why it like loads. because so, so, people like put automated code against the front end. Uh, the ordinals um, program. You can build a, a, there's a basic index and then there's like a more com- computationally expensive index that tracks all Satoshis. And if you have that more large <laughs> index, you can run a command that just says like, this shows you uh, what the rare stats are um, in your wallet, if you have any. It literally just like looks through what you have and just tells you like if they're rare. Um, and what it, it's actually really simple code in the Rust code base that like defines what rarity is. Like there's actually a file called like rarity dart dot rs and it lit, it just checks to see if it's the first sat in a block based on like casey's uh system um but you could extend that very easily 
that's what me and my friend Ben are going to work on. We're, we're going to fork it and run it locally with like different definitions of rarity. Um, and I think that's a thing that a lot of people should maybe explore if they're interested in like rare sats is like, figure out what you think is rare. Look at this rarity.rs file. Um, if you have, if you're, yeah, you need a coder to probably figure it out for you, but maybe ask chat GPT and you probably get there too. <laughs> and thank God for chat GPT, man. Thank God for AI to help us out. The people in here that can't figure it out ourselves. What I, what I love about what you just said and goes back to what we were talking about in the early conversation is like, um, a big reason for ordinals and kind of the, the coolness of it is just like being able to collect something that's meaningful and cool to you. Uh, and, and that's what exactly what you're working on right now, trying to f- find the, the sats that you want to s- stamp something on to show kind of like you were your mark that you found that, um, and you were inscribed on it before anyone else. So I just love that. Paz, I see your hand is up. Go ahead, man. But yeah, I was just going to say, it's kind of like uh, the rarity system is kind of like an arbitrary thing. Um, personally, I just prefer to follow Casey's just because it makes sense. And it's also like, you know, he's a creator, so kind of makes sense, I guess, follow ga- that kind of like rarity scale or uh, yeah, system. Um, no, yeah, but ultimately, like, Whatever you find interesting could be like rare to you, you know? So one, one thing I, I actually have a question of someone that's in the Carl discord that is um, trying to get on stage, but keeps having trouble. One, one question he had is, uh, do you think it's going to be better for ownership or tangible, tangible goods or like recording for things like real estate deeds? Do you think this would be better done on Bitcoin um, and through ordinals? Or do you think you still see like, um, like a, a, a purpose or a need for some of these aspects of tracking to be on Ethereum or a different blockchain? good question my initial reaction is uh it's not the best use of inscriptions or ordinals but you could do it (laughs) go ahead Paz. yeah i was gonna say uh i feel like ordinals is like originally created for like art or like documentation um and i mean if it fits if it fits then sure you could do it but uh, I don't know. I don't see it like being a, a standard for that. Yeah. I mean, I think one thing that I, I've been thinking about too, it kind of makes you question everything um, about Ethereum because a big reason Ethereum was um, was created was because of the absence of something like being able to do inscriptions on Bitcoin. Uh, and so then when you do have that option on kind of like the gold standard of decentralized blockchain, it's like, well, what, what is Ethereum for? And it's like this um, identity crisis, because the reason I, I, ha- I didn't even want to ask it, but obviously... Uh, a lot of us don't even explore things like um, Polygon or Solana because we see um, kind of a hierarchy of the decentralized aspect of Ethereum as being um, a lot better and more secure. But when it comes to Bitcoin, it's king. Uh, and and there's no question about it when it comes to like the decentralized aspect of uh, the blockchain. So one thing that I'm curious about for you guys is, um, and, and Dan, you may have more of a technical expertise of things that you that would like uh from a functional standpoint things that are m- like a stronger use case for ethereum because it's uh it's built in a way that kind of is is wanting to create and develop uh you know files and storage and all this stuff is there a reason to uh, still that, that there's a need for Ethereum and what that what could Ethereum be good at that Bitcoin's not or vice versa? So uh, I'm, not, I'm not like a technical expert on Ethereum, but um, I guess what I would add to the conversation is like Casey's talked about inscriptions as basically like caveman technology. And in a way, it is fairly primitive the way it works. You're like just uploading a file to the blockchain. It's like it's it's in a way very crude in how the inscription part works. 
And that crudeness is, um, I think, maybe a benefit in terms of, like, because you don't need um, really fancy... Like, for example, let's say there's no big ordinal network, but you have an ordinal you care, an inscription you care about. You can, like, keep track of that transaction and decode the data in that transaction without, like, doing this large network validation piece. Um, so I think that's, like a good argument in the direction of like longevity for it. Um, but in terms of like, what's it good for right now? It's good for file upload. I think within Bitcoin from like a functional standpoint, um, what cool things will arise. It seems like it's going in the direction of like zero knowledge proofs and like ZK snarks and these types of things um, that would like leverage this witness data that is being used for inscriptions. Um, sort of like a need to know stuff. But the inscriptions are sort of like a need to show. Like, so I feel like it's a, I feel like a transaction about like you selling your house, like, in, but beyond like the MLS, like it's like a very need to know private transaction you're making. Um, whereas like NFTs and artifacts and things like this, they always seem to be more of like a, I'm just going to call it need to show where there's like some value you're, you're getting from, um, it being known that you have this thing or that you're involved with that publication or whatever it is. It's hard to like nail down specifically, but that's yeah. why I'm always like skeptical of things like, uh, like sometimes people t- within Bitcoin land talk about like RGB, which is like an NFT lightning thing, but like you can't, apparently you can't make like a explorer for it where like you can see like who owns what very clearly. And it's like, who wants, to like have like a secret NFT platform where like nobody knows that you have a JPEG. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I mean, like you said, I think as time goes on, there's going to be a lot of aspects of privacy that come into play um, and in, in transactions and, uh, and, but when it comes to NFTs, a lot of times, like you said, a lot of people would choose that they, they show that they own it because it is in a lot of ways, NFTs is more of a, um, like a community thing and you want to, you want people to know that you have it so you can kind of be involved in that group. Um, all right. I have, I don't have any necessarily specific questions, uh, about ordinals, but one thing that I did want to cover is just kind of the advancements of the tech since, uh, uh, just in six weeks from February where people, people were literally just keeping a spreadsheet to today we have a few exchanges that are pretty good. I mean, my experience was with OrdSwap. I literally connected my MetaMask. It created a taproot uh, for me and manages Bitcoin. It's it's. Um, I don't know technic- the technical aspects, but apparently uh, I've asked the I've asked and talked to them, and they said that it's uh, non-custodial. Um, that's all connected into the MetaMask um, up- uploading it. So. I think that there's just like, it's cool to see so many developers. And I think I've, I also was listening to a podcast where um, they were just talking about how there's, when you have Bitcoin, which has just been used for transactions for so long, and then you have something like this revolutionary uh, and like something that brings renewed energy, it just gets all the devs uh, excited. I have seen just like the exponential curve of like technology and uh, people trying to figure out platforms to get the user uh, interface more friendly, even in your own collections. I know like Al, you guys are trying to make it more friendly uh, at this point just for someone that wants to get in to understand. So I'd love for you just to explain that because it is still so early and there's not a lot of like, that's not there's not like a go-to wallet or go-to standard uh, when it comes to ordinals. So I missed like the first... 25% of your question and I'm confused. She <laughs> say it again. I'm sorry. I was I was curious because there hasn't been there hasn't really been uh, a lot of time for for the tech to evolve with this for to make it user friendly. I was just talking about in 6 weeks how much has changed as well as how much you guys have changed maybe in the Discord to make things easier for people to get involved. But but really, when it comes to like the decentralized, trustless nature, how much have you seen like this curve? And, and when did it really start? Was it like around week four? Or when did you start seeing like ninjas popping up? I mean, yeah, it was like around week three or four, or even a bit sooner that they were all 
at least publicizing that they were building something. But, you know, the, the thing about Pepe is that's, that's it, you know, it, it started obviously with like escrow for basically every early project, unless someone was willing to receive it at Sparrow and God knows when they can get it out was kind of the vibe at the beginning. And then with Pepe's blowing up so quickly, a lot of holders just weren't comfortable with trying out any of the new solutions until they had been more thoroughly battle tested. Right. So we're still, you know, I want to, a lot of more people have received their Pepe's since then. I want to say like 50% are doing self custody at this stage, but like even now, you know, there was, there's like a, when, when listing on open Ordex, there, there's still a particular bug that changes the SAP position of in a UTXO of the inscribed Satoshi. There's, there's all these little, little things that could go wrong that worry people. And when it comes, everyone can be encouraged for self-custody under the assumption that those solutions are coming. I guess it's like when people want to trade currently without dealing with a tool like you know or swap you have to put a seed phrase in ultimately to use it it's it's still nothing seems quite perfect in battle tested that's why i'm excited about magic eden finally having built something actually i don't know if anyone else saw them tweet their orange magic eden thing um it's still pretty chaotic i guess it's still pretty trust-based we're still at an in-between where all of these solutions have been built or, or started and they, they work, but none of them feel 100% safe yet, I would say, is my sense of things. Yeah, I want to I echo that. I mean, in the early days, going back to your original question, John, shit ramped up quick because in the early days, early February, I was scared shitless to receive an inscription to a receive-only Sparrow wallet that literally you're like, man, I hope someone figures this out because not, not that I'm trying to get rid of it, but you just realize that like, oh, if I screw this up, there's no recourse, which is a very normal thing for us in the crypto sphere where, where you can't transfer it out. You can't send it somewhere else. And there were so many questions about like if multiple inscriptions make it to the same address for your Sparrow wallet, like what's going to happen? Or am I going to lose everything? So seeing even these imperfect solutions pop up so quickly was, was really nice. I mean, it helped me onboard other people as well, because instead of me strictly saying, Hey, I'm going to be frank with you. You should just keep it in escrow and you have to be comfortable with sending someone money and keeping it in a spreadsheet. It allows people to have, you know, ownership, at least in an imperfect way over their, their inscriptions, their assets. And so, you know, I'm a big proponent of how good um, OrdSwap has been on that regard. It's not perfect, but it's great. I'm really excited to see what happens with Magic Eden. And, uh, you know, of course, other marketplaces are coming as well. And also just, you know, a, a broader variety. We've got Hero, we've got Xverse, Ordinal's Wallet, OrdSwap. There's a lot of ways to do this. But on the onboarding front, and maybe people in the audience might, uh, you know, be interested to hear this, is that the, even with these solutions, there's still issues. You know, a lot of people still use Coinbase as their main exchange. So you've got to go through an intermediary to get money, to get Bitcoin into, say, OrdSwap or Ordinal's Wallet or another marketplace that transacts only in Bitcoin. Um, in a convoluted way before you can even start buying what you want from the secondary markets. And so that is a testament to how quickly things have changed, right? How quickly growth has happened, but also a testament to how we've, we've, we've got a way to go before we can make it really seamless. And so I'm sure, you know, what I just said, this whole issue with like Coinbase or Kraken or other exchanges not being able to send it, surely will get solved sooner than later. But, uh, you know, if anyone's out there been like, why? That's why, because <laughs> it's still that early. <laughs> I remember running into that, like, right when we set up our, our ordinal wallets on the full Bitcoin node, like, what the fuck? Why can't we send Bitcoin to any of to anything to do with this? That's absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, that, the reason we originally got Sparrow was to send Bitcoin from Coinbase. <laughs> Chicago, go ahead. I, yeah, no, I, I just thought it was funny. I, I love that... Um, and I've heard this so many times in the last couple of weeks, like people already say, this is how fast uh, technology compresses. Like in the old days, it's like, dude, it was a month ago. Like it was four weekends ago. And we're already like, yeah, the old days you couldn't, but that goes to show you how fast 
this marketplace is evolving. Like uh, I'm one of the the 50 percent who who bravely took um, possession of my inscribed Peppy from Owl, and you know I've got it sitting in Sparrow, and I'm not going to touch it for a while. Like I, I'm I'm definitely all about being an early adopter, except when it comes to like trying out new crypto wallets. Like I, I that's one I don't want to be first in for sure. So. Uh, but I just think it's funny, like this space, and and I can think that shows the camaraderie of the space too. It's just like, yeah, back in the old days, like people already kind of like talking like OGs, and we're literally it was four or five Saturdays ago that that all this was happening. So um, it's it's a fun time to be in the space for sure. Dan, I saw you come off mute. Did you have something that to add on there? Yeah, I think my observation would be. Um... So I, I don't know a lot about the Stacks ecosystem. Like I didn't hear about things like Hero, Xverse, or Gamma until Ordinals, and it seems like there was sort of like a sort of like a VC-backed network of companies that um, were sort of like had the talent to execute, and they did that really quickly. And I think that's probably relative to their like need for growth, probably as like venture-backed startups. So like and, and like the the need for that growth and like the fact that it costs them like no money beyond like the labor of their, their existing teams to like work on this. And I think, so like that was, that's, um, I think we're probably lucky in some way that that was the case. Like that might just be a weird timing thing. Um, because if like the thing that they were, the other thing that they were working on was sort of like, mm, working a different way, like maybe that they wouldn't see that, uh, take that path to like, you see if they could expand into ordinals um, and see growth there. Um, but I agree with Chicago. It is, you know, it's one of those things where it's like when a wallet pops up, there's a couple things. It's like, it's a little nerve wracking that they adopted a new Bitcoin technology so quick. Like you, you don't want your wallet to like, maybe like put new tech into their stack very quickly. Cause like there could be bugs that like oopsie your money that way. Um, but it's also great that they are there. It's like a mixed bag. Like I'm, I'm, I think it's a weird timing in the market thing. And also at the same time, it's a weird timing in the market thing. Cause like people are like the government's on TV right now saying like ETH is a security <laughs> and like, and, and we've, it's, we're after like FTX collapsing. Like it's a really weird time. And I'm, I'm glad that ordinals has like come out at this time. But I, I do think there's a weird, timing aspect to it that is like really in its favor um and i really think it's great that it was launched by sort of like basically by an individual i know casey had help from interns but like more or less like an individual contributor effort without backing it seems to be it seems that they're like working out to make some sort of ordinal core foundation maybe happen like um it seems like there's clearly like more people helping on a full-time basis now but those are just many different thoughts about it, but like that's what's uncanny to me is like the the timing and sort of like the environment under which this happens. I think was just what's giving it like rocket fuel. Yeah, like you said, I mean, you've been around the Bitcoin world for a long time, Dan. And in, in, in terms of like um, excitement about uh, something happening in the space, have you? Have you seen that? And I know um, there's also a lot of mixed feelings. So have you have you seen any of that tension of like um, because Bitcoin, like you said, it's it's the community is very different than Web three. Web three is like all noise um, based, and Bitcoin is very like long term. The outlook is like into the future. We're we've got a mission. We've got to we've got to fix this problem with the world. Uh, so what is what's your take on um, kind of both those things one the the are people excited in the bitcoin world about this i haven't seen a lot of um besides like udi and there's a few others but i haven't seen a ton of bitcoiners that really have have embraced and like really talk actively about it um so i guess we could start there yeah i'm more of like a in your mom's basement kind of guy um i used to have like a bitcoin bitcoin podcast and go to a lot more meetups but bitcoin got to a size where I don't have to like follow it all the time. It got like too big to follow and like it got too successful to like need to be followed in that way. Like I can sleep at night holding Bitcoin. So I don't need to be listening to every single thought about it. Um, but 
you know, compare it to, for example, um, like the Lightning Network. The Lightning Network is something that a lot of Bitcoin developers have made a place to bet on. And you can see like how much money is in Lightning channels. And I, I, I was, for me, I always thought it was like a tepid adoption of Lightning. Um, and I think it's driven by what makes ordinals work at the moment is that it's still it's still very relatively cheap to do layer one transactions on Bitcoin. You know, I think it, the the demand for Lightning and, and off-channel, off-chain solutions is like driven by if it's expensive to use layer one. At the moment, it's clearly not. I know it's changing right now as demand grows, but um, yeah, the, mar- the market conditions need to exist to create that, to create that demand basically. I love that your reference to lightning like that was a big like that was definitely another pivoting movement where there's um, I don't want to say a break but just like there's people really excited about and others that didn't really see a need for it Uh, same seems with ordinals like there's there's a lot of uh, people that are like there's some people that are excited some that are like not that excited at all or against it and then most people for the most part are just like well i mean like it's uh it's in the protocol and that's what it is uh and and they don't really have any sort of feeling about it yet um but i mean the people that are in favor or that that think it's going to be a good thing are actively working around it definitely do have that energized feeling which um eventually pulls others in because there's just so much going on that that people kind of eventually get curious and i feel like that's the stage we're like at the we're at like that OG phase where that is the cool thing for the people that were there from the early, the February, early February days is just like, we all saw this early on. And now we're just going to like, when you look at volume and everything is just so low right now, when you think about where this could be in a year or even in a few months, depending on where development of exchanges and onboarding tools comes on. But, um, but it's just very, it's, it's just like, you see that excitement and then there's just going to be all kinds of development for years around ordinals. And I think that's the cool part is like, I think the people in the audience right now, if you're not ready to jump in, don't jump in. It is like a weird world. And that's kind of like the excitement of it. Like some of us are attracted to the chaotic nature of it. I mean, Al, you know, was just talking about like, it's it's like wild, but it's also fun. And if you like that kind of thing, Oral's maybe like a place to kind of explore. But if you're not into like that chaotic, it's like probably a place just to watch and just stay in the know. So you, you know, when there are things like you're aware of them and, and you're doing that research early. Um, Paz, let's jump to you and then I'm going to start wrapping it up. No, yeah, to, to, I guess, answer your question about, like, what are the sentiments when it comes to, like, Bitcoin people with uh, ordinals? I've been hanging out with, like, a lot of Bitcoin people in real life. Uh, this is, like, the most I've hung out with, like, crypto people uh, in my whole life, probably, in this past month, right? Um, like, I, I went to, to Nashville to do uh, to look at a, a workshop that Casey was holding. Um, there was like several people there uh, that were all like Bitcoiners, um, and then just uh, at East Denver, I also went to an event um, that was like specifically for ordinals, and there were like a lot of Bitcoin people there too. Obviously, this is like confirmation bias, of course, but um, there and uh, I guess another example is the Bitcoin Magazine people. There, they're also very active in just like learning more about this. Um, but yeah, just a lot of people are are interested in it for sure. Um, does everyone like like it? Probably not, right? Obviously, but I mean, I'll, I'll definitely say that there there are a lot of like Bitcoin people looking at this. And quick quickly, I just wanted to add, like from a uh, you know anecdotal standpoint about the various dozens and dozens of discourse I'm in, is that it's kind of cool to see people that, especially people that are uh nft adjacent or are like down for it to be like oh wait that's not just like grandpa bitcoin that just keeps chugging along as a store of value or a way to transact anonymously like there i feel like there is also a palpable excitement growing in people to realize that like hey this is something that we can we can do with with like the you know absolute undisputed king of crypto right like no one no one that i know of thinks that bitcoin's ever gonna 
go to zero. They might think that about all coins. They might even think that about ETH. I don't know. But like, it's so proven, right? And to see people change the narrative from it being just this kind of like almost archaic tech, right? Almost this like uh, uh, mainstay of crypto, like it's like the Warren Buffett of crypto. We don't have to worry about it. I think it's cool. And I think it's going to keep growing that sentiment of like uh, uh, having a new license on what people thought Bitcoin was. No, yeah, and I was also gonna say I've there's I've seen like a lot of ETH people just like switching over to to Bitcoin and being like, oh, like I'm I'm modeling all my Bitcoin, you know. Um, so it's very funny to see like the the change in sentiments um, regarding Bitcoin, but for sure it's it's gonna be exciting to see uh, how it develops. Yeah, and I think that's really the story. Is just like um, if you get anything from this chat, it's just. Uh, make sure to to keep it on your radar. Uh, it's a world that's evolving. It's evolving quickly. Uh, there's a lot of people that are already here um, and are really excited about it and are kind of rejuvenated by the tech and um, being able to do something on on the king of crypto. Uh, and so it's gonna it's not gonna go away. It's gonna be something that stays here and just continues to grow bigger and bigger. And um, and I think it's and it's just fun to do kind of these like fireside chats with uh, and we ended up having such a great turnout. I just want to give a huge shout out of gratitude to all our guests that came up on stage um, between ordinal OGs that were first to mint in the first few weeks to, to a couple founders with Al with Inscribe Pepe and Dan uh, with Dan Files and Paz with uh, Ordinal Faces. So really appreciate all of you for, for coming on stage today to help us learn about the Ordinal Protocol. All right, the Crazy About Crypto show does not accept paid advertisements or paid requests to come on the show. The quality of guests and educational content provided is essential. I want to shout out the Crazy Carl Collective. Crazy Carl's not my real name. I'm just one voice in the Crazy Carl Collective. We're an entity in the Web3 space working to build and grow together. All guests during this season of the show are Crazy Carls. And if you're not in the collective, I encourage you to follow us and watch us and then one day maybe even join us. Thank you so much for tuning in today and continuing to learn about the innovation that Web3 unlocks for us all.